Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. CPI numbers are out. And what's surprising to most is that in December, we saw deflation. Not disinflation, but deflation. So first and foremost, the headline CPI number year over year went from 7.1 down to 6.5. That was the market expectation. But again, if you look at the month over month numbers, you see that in December, according to the CPI, and we know it's understated, but, but it is a measurement that is uh, showing us kind of comparing an apples to apples, although the apples that they're showing us are underpriced. <laughs> at least it might show us what prices are actually doing. And uh, when we look at this, we see that prices are definitely, uh, let's say, increasing at a much slower rate. And uh, on this channel, this is something, this is a prediction, if you will, that we absolutely nailed. Now, uh, one thing I got completely wrong is I didn't think the Fed would be able to raise higher than maybe 2.5%. So now they're at 4.25, uh, range between 4.25 and 4.5. So I completely whiffed on that call. <laughs> but one thing that we got spot on is that uh, we would see inflation and then we would see disinflation. And that's exactly what we're seeing year over year with the CPI going from nine down to what was it? 8.3. Now we're down to 7.1. Now we're down to 6.5. And um, let's shoot right over to this story from CNBC and get the details. And then I want to show you a chart that we referenced briefly the other day that shows the last six months of CPI numbers. And you'll see that they are much, much lower which is important because I think if we're to extend this out into 2023, it shows us right now the trend is for sub 2%, again, as measured by the CPI. But still, if, even if you want to say that, well, that understates it, okay, great, but it still shows it, it still shows us that it's coming down significantly, which is what we've been talking about on this channel. And why is that important? Because then this tells us when the Fed may pause or even pivot. And then it also, in my opinion, tells us that most likely this is kind of the, the what would precede a recession. And a recession that would be so significant that even the Fed and the central planners would have to admit <laughs> that, we're even, that we are in a recession without changing their their data. I'm specifically referencing the video I did earlier today, but let's get into this article from CNBC and then we'll check out that chart and try to connect the dots for you. So as we said, title, consumer prices fell. Consumer prices fell. So that's actual deflation, not year over year, I get it, but month over month. Prices fell 0.1% as measured by the CPI in line with expectations from economists. Key talking points, the consumer price index fell 0.1% in December, meeting expectations for the biggest drop since April 2020. Excluding food and energy, core CPI rose 0.3%. So basically what this tells us is the uh, decline in overall prices 
was mostly a result of food, maybe just more specifically energy coming down in price because all other prices rose by 0.3%. On an annual basis, headline CPI rose 6.5 while core increased 5.7. The biggest reason for the easing of inflation came from a sharp drop in gasoline prices. Exactly what we just said. So inflation closed out. 2022 with a modest retreat. That was negative 0.1. And here's a chart that really shows us kind of when we started talking about disinflation. And I didn't know whether that would happen in Q3 or Q4 of this year. It, we pretty much pegged it. And it's just gone straight down since then. And again, I realize that this CPI number basically understates it. Um, but the trend would still hold true, even if inflation has gone from, let's say, 20% down to 10%. Still, we've got disinflation. And then this dotted line would represent the core CPI, and that's less food and energy. So the article goes on to say that the drop was a result of gasoline prices coming back down. And, you know, who knows, those may come back up as a result of China coming back online. Uh, we'll have to wait and kind of find out. But even, you know, the elasticity for, for uh, energy is um, very tight, let's say. There, there, there's very little demand elasticity. It's that, or said another way, probably better, that demand is very inelastic. So even if you go into like a lockdown scenario, you're still using quite a bit of energy. It's not that it's it's not like buying shirts at, at Macy's where demand can completely just fall off a cliff or hotel rooms or cruise lines, something like that. So the, I think the main thing to think about what I'm trying to go over in my mind is, okay, how does this, now that we see this trend, how does this play out in 2023? And I try to say, okay, well, my base case is continued disinflation, but how would I be wrong? Like what could happen to reverse this to where inflation would start to go back up and we would see another wave like we saw in the 1940s or we saw in the 1970s. And I think obviously, you know, another government stimulus package. Uh, so you'd have to do something to the demand side or you'd have to do something to the supply side, uh, or you'd have to have, you know, like something mass, some sort of massive supply shock with energy, which would make gas prices skyrocket again, and therefore uh, significantly impact the CPI to the upside. So, but, but excluding that, I think you're going to most likely continue to see this disinflation, especially if we, go into a recession that they would actually admit, or we get a financial crisis, which could be what the yield curve has been has been predicting for quite some time. I believe that would, would lead to a disinflationary environment. Although there there's variables, right? There's always these cross currents that we talk about on this channel. So would the cross current of higher energy prices overwhelm the cross current of recession? Or would the cross current of a financial crisis overwhelm 
potential higher gas prices? Or would we get maybe a financial crisis that would lead to a lowering of energy prices that would really give us some disinflation, potentially, potentially even uh, deflation, although I think it'd be for a very short period of time, even year over year deflation, like we saw in 2008, 2009 during the, the GFC. And I, I know for a lot of you, you say, no, George, that's impossible. That's absolutely impossible. I go to the grocery store, I pay my bills, I, you know, prices are still sky high. And I get it, but just keep in mind that we're not talking about prices going back down to where they were in 2019. Nobody's talking about that. That ain't going to happen. Uh, but what we're talking about is even if prices go down, um, you know, or, or keep on this trend, which is pretty much sub 2%, if we annualize the last six months. Uh, so if you combine that, that trend that we're on right now with a, a, a significant recession or financial crisis, that's where you could see us dip into deflation prices. Again, not going back to where they were in 2019, probably not even going back to where they were in 2020, but at least going down slightly from where they are today. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. To illustrate this point, let's get over to this next chart. And this is the last uh, year of CPI month over month. So back in 2022, as you guys remember, we had these very high monthly prints of 0 0.6, 0 0.8, 0 0.12, 0 0.1, 0 0.13. And then in July, we go all the way down to zero. And then uh, August 0.1. We go 0 0.4, 0 0.4 down 0.1 in this month, like we said, December, a negative, negative 0.1. So if you understand that, you know, we've got the base effects in there, which basically means that when we were, were the next three months, whatever we get, we're going to be excluding these three months. That's how that's whenever you hear someone say, well, we've got the base effects that we have to consider. That means that the base effects would uh, be very disinflationary. Why? Because we're losing three months that was a very high month over month. And I'm talking about in the next three months, right? So when we get January, February, March, we're going to be losing three months going back to 2022 that were very inflationary. Therefore, if we just, let's say, stayed at, uh, let's say we go from negative point 
one up to positive 0.3 for the next three months. Okay, well, you're gaining three positive 0.3s, but you're losing a 0.6, a 0.8, and a 1.2. So even if we get a, a, a 0.3, let's say for the next three months, that would drop inflation down to, I mean, I, I don't know right off the top of my head, but that would probably drop inflation down to, man, 4%. Maybe, I mean, you're talking about a significant decline. And so then you have to say, okay, if you're Jerome Powell, what do you do there? Do you pause? Do you continue to hike rates up to 4.75, up to five, knowing that deflation or uh, inflation is plummeting, at least headline CPI? And then what do you do when you combine that with the unemployment rate, which is kind of the way they measure aggregate demand, which I think is, is, is flawed, but that's you got to look at it through the lens of the central planners and the decision makers. So... I'm pretty confident that the, barring some natural disaster, barring World War III, barring a, a massive you know, financial crisis or something like a black swan event, I think that it, it's pretty darn clear that 2023 will most likely be disinflationary, come back down to maybe you know, two, three, four percent. And then who knows, we'll have to reevaluate. Now, of course, we could have a massive crisis that would lead to another CARES Act 2.0, which could lead to a central bank digital currency, which could lead to bank reserves becoming legal tender through UBI, and then you throw everything out the window. But just assuming that the world or the structure, the system that we have stays the same, <laughs> for, and that's a big assumption, but assuming that it does for the next six months, my base case would definitely be inflation coming back down to call it, I'll just call it 3%, 4%, something like that. And, and, and the reason why is you can see right in this chart, because we're going to be losing this and assuming that the last six months or the next six months looks like the last six months, which I don't know why it wouldn't uh, if nothing changes significantly then um, again, you, you can pretty much understand why my base case would be uh, in six months, we look back over a year and CPIs at call it 3%, something like that, possibly even lower. And if I had to err on one side or the other, so if I had to sit here and tell you, okay, I'm going to make a bet. My base case is, let's say three point, let's just say my base case is 3%. So if I had to make a bet as to if I would be wrong on the high side or the low side, looking at this, especially with the yield curve, I would bet that I would be wrong on the high side, meaning that if I had to change that base case, it would actually be lower, not higher. Now, let me conclude the video by going over how markets responded to this. And as you would imagine, with the CP, although it, was, it hit expectations, although it did go... Uh, Although it hit expectations, it did go down from 7.1 to 6.5. So you see bonds, you know, 10-year treasury, the yield just plummet. I mean, now, can you believe that? The Fed is talking about increasing rates going all the way up to 5%. And the 10-year treasury is now trading under 3.45%. That is, that is staggering when you think about it. Uh, oil up a bit up to 78.50 at 
we got Bitcoin really flew. It was up 6.36%, which again, is just basically a, a leveraged bet, right? At least the way it's trading. I'm not saying this is what Bitcoin is, but I'm saying at least the way it's trading, it's like a leveraged play on the NASDAQ. It's like a leveraged play on the Fed pausing or, uh, or pivoting. And same thing with gold, you know, gold way up. And uh, that's, again, the, the market saying that the Fed's going to pivot or pause sooner than later. Uh, and the 10-year being at under 4.5% would be consistent with that overall theme. And then the stock market, the Dow, up a bit, 139 points. Uh, now, I keep forgetting the market's not closed because where I am, I don't know if you, you guys can't see out the window here, but it's pitch black. <laughs> it's it's six thirty at night where I am, so I, I keep forgetting that the market's uh, actually still open. But S and P up slightly, and interestingly enough, Nasdaq barely up. I thought I would have thought the Nasdaq, especially looking at Bitcoin, would have been up a lot higher than this. So that uh, in and of itself is interesting. So there you go, guys. That's what's happening with the CPI numbers. Uh, those are my thoughts in regards to 2023 and what is happening in the major markets. As always, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. And I'll see you in the next video.